in Genesis chapter 29, we have the really important, the Bible gives us so much insight um, about Jacob's life because all 12 tribes of Israel came from his family. This is the beginning of that story. Let's read it together, Genesis 29, verse 30. Jacob went into Rachel, his new wife. He loved Rachel more than Leah. He had two sisters that were um, he was married to. He served with Laban till still another seven years. Be 14 years he served Laban to marry his daughter Rachel. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, in the Hebrew, the word unloved there means hated. Very strong word. He opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son. And she named him Reuben. Reuben means seeing. For she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Then she conceived and bore a, another son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, therefore he's given me this son also. She called his name Simeon, which means heard. She conceived again and bore a third son and said, now this time my husband will become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. Therefore his name was Levi. Levi means joined to. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. And she stopped bearing. Father, we thank you for your word that's living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Anoint your servant, anoint your people, anoint your word. Show the devil who's boss today. Let oppression be broken, let discouragement be lifted, let revelation flow. Let God, a spirit of hope, a spirit of life, like Pastor George prophesied, flow to all here today and all who hear this message. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm always encouraged. Jacob is such a personal blessing to me because whenever you can find someone who's more dysfunctional than you in the Bible, it just... I just, he helps my self-image every time I read about him. And Jacob is just doing some business, and he comes into a city, and he sees a girl. He is smitten. Now, the Bible says Rachel was beautiful, knockout beautiful. So he sees her, he's smitten, and he goes to her father, Laban, and says, listen, I love your daughter, I want to marry her. He says, okay, you can marry her, work for me for seven years, and you can marry her. So he works for seven years, now it's the honeymoon night, and Laban tricks him and gives his oldest daughter, Leah. And the Bible said that Leah was not as physically attractive. Now, beauty is such a subjective thing. But the Bible does say that she had some issues. If the Bible says you got some issues, you probably might have an issue. Um, so she, she had something with her eyes going on. And, you know, cross-eyed or something, I don't know what it was. And uh, she's, so Laban, you know, puts a veil over her, sends her to the honeymoon suite. And he spends the night with a woman that he doesn't even know. He wakes up in the morning and said, who are you? How come Rachel's not here? He realized he was tricked. 
And the beautiful thing is because Jacob is a trickster, God cures tricksters by sending a better trickster into their world. Uh, so then he comes to the father and says, what have you done? You've, you've tricked me. And the, the old, you know, Laban says, well, it's our custom. The oldest daughter married first. You can still marry Rachel, but you've got to work another seven years. So he works 14 years for one woman. That's love. In fact, the first seven years, the Bible says, seemed like a day to him. He was so in love. The last seven years, maybe not so much. So now he has two wives by, by covenant obligation. He's married to two women. And so he, the Bible says this, he's madly in love with one. And the Bible says he hates the other. So the Bible says that, that God looks down and, he, and the Lord has mercy and compassion on Leah. Because it's not that he's, you know, that, that he's not always nice to her. He treats her dishonorably. He sleeps with her but will not love her. And so the Bible says God opened her womb. Let me just say this first point. I have found it to be true. That when something devastating happens in someone's life, when some kind of handicap or some kind of disadvantage or some kind of betrayal or some kind of heartache comes, I have found out that often God will do, will compensate in such a powerful way in another part of that same person's life. Leah, who was unloved by her, her own womb and her handmaidens, gave birth to ten of the children, ten of the twelve tribes. So she was unbelievably productive and fruitful. So I just want to encourage you, stop focusing on what's not working. And when someone closes a door to you that should have opened a door, God will open a bigger door for you. When someone withholds something from you, they should give to you. Beautiful Mary likes all these reality shows. And so I'm grateful we have two TVs, that's all I can say. And I'm grateful I can watch TV again after four months. I can actually see what's going on. That may not be, you know, heaven may not be celebrating that, but I am. <clears throat> so she's watching uh, America's Got Talent or The Voice or America's Got Talent. So, she, so um, I won't watch the whole show, but I'll watch certain highlights with her. I said, don't make me watch the bad stuff. Just highlight a couple people. So I watched last night this blind girl sing. And man, she sang the roof. I'm like, wow, I get goose pimples, you know, just the way she sang. Now, so I found it so exciting that, that she had experienced such a hardship in one part of her life and such a gift. <clears throat> Don't let the thing that went wrong or the hardship you were born with or you carry be your defining identity. There's a gift in you that God's going to show off. He's going to show off, Okay. I promise you, God, God looks down, and when people mistreat us, God says, okay, I'm going to show off in that person's life. So she has, so she's not, I would say, regularly with, probably by legal requirement, her, her husband spends intimate moments with her occasionally, but every time he touches her, she gets pregnant. So she has a son, Reuben, to see looking. And she said, okay, I know he doesn't like me, but I'm going to earn his approval. I'm going to win him over. 
Isn't it amazing that we are so committed to win people over that don't even like us? We're convinced, and, 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 and people think relationally, well, I'll, I'll, I'll win them. I'll, I'll, I'll make them love me. I'll earn respect. I'll earn affection. But Jacob says, thank you for the baby. And she looks into his eyes. They're, they're still filled with hostility. Hmm. I don't know about you, but I, I hate being rejected. So we were made to be accepted. Acceptance is a healing and it's a wonderful part of our healthy journey. Rejection is something none of us want and none of us really celebrate. But it has a powerful, hurtful effect often. Rejection never means you weren't good enough. It only means the other person was blind to your real value. God says, she's awesome. Jacob said, I don't even like her. I hate her. Now, Jacob hated her because of the trick. And there is, Leah was not entirely innocent. She, she went along with it. <laughs> you with me? She went along with her fathers. She was so desperate to be loved. She entered into a bad situation. Uh, you have to be careful that you're not so thirsty you drink from the wrong cup. And so our job is never to earn people's love and appreciation. Don't waste your whole life trying to change people's minds about you. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. She has a second son. It's Simeon, which means heard. Isn't it funny that we will repeat, we will repeat unhealthy and unsuccessful habits, thinking the next time it's going to work. I'm going to do that again. I know it didn't work this time. I'm going to do it again. She has another son, Simeon. And she said, hearing that I've given him another son, his, his dream to have sons, he will love me. And she hands the son to Jacob. And Jacob says, thank you. And still remains cold and indifferent and harsh toward her. It's got to be so heartbreaking for Leah to have her hopes that things would change. You have to not work your whole life to try to make people celebrate you. To make people acknowledge you, to make people accept you, to make people approve of you. Remarkably, she's not done. She spends one night with Jacob. She's pregnant again. She's fertile myrtle. She's, she's, she's a baby machine. And she has a son named Levi, joined to. Now listen to me. The two most important tribes of Israel came out of a woman who was despised by her husband. Levi and Judah. And then she says, surely after three sons, my husband will 
be joined. She watched the way the affection, the the great love affair that Jacob and Rachel had. And she was on the outside. She was the third wheel. She was there but never benefited, never blessed, never loved, never received, never accepted. And she said, this time he's going to love me. Jacob said, thank you for this baby. I still don't like you. I still don't like you. Now, a, a couple of things about rejection. Because the way you handle rejection determines how far you're going to get in life. And if you're not careful, you'll personalize. Never allow rejection to become personalized or internalized in your life. Most of the time, rejection is someone's, someone else projecting their own issues onto you. Come on. God has a way of taking our painful rejections and turning them into beautiful new redirections. So you have to be careful that rejection doesn't become a part of your own internal vocabulary and your own internal self-image. Uh, God doesn't throw people away. You're not who they say you are. You're who, you are who God says you are. You're accepted in the beloved. And so she has her third son and two, her own shock. It took her a while to learn this lesson. She has a fourth son. And she says, I'm done with that stuff. She lifted her eyes to heaven and said, his name will be Judah, which means praise. Now I will praise the Lord. Now. I'm sorry if you've been through painful things in life divorce or betrayal or a unhappy marriage or a, a unhappy childhood. I'm sorry for things that are now present that are difficult or past present that were difficult. I'm sorry for what you've been through, but I just want to encourage you. Now it's time to praise the Lord. She, she, she said, I can't wait till he loves me to take care of me. I'm going to praise the Lord. When you can praise the Lord for being good while you're going through something bad, you create a cognitive dissonance, a heavenly earthquake, and things begin to change in your world. Now, I will praise the Lord. So praise is not just something we do. It's something we were made for. Come on, stay with me. Worship's not the preliminary of the service and the preaching. The, the, the worship is our main priority at Church for the Nations. Nothing else that we do here will have such a benefit and far-reaching. I believe in the power of God's Word. I preach it. I live it. I memorize it. I speak it. I study it. I've written 19, now 20 books, almost done with my 20th book. I, I believe all of that. But man, when we worship, everything changes. You are made to worship God. Every cell in your body comes into this alignment that says, we were made for this. Someday I'll join my father and mother in heaven, hopefully not for 30 years. 
but I'll join them in heaven and and when I come to heaven, I won't come as a preacher. I won't come as a prophet. I won't come as a author. I won't come as a, I won't come as a pastor. But the one thing I do on earth that I will do in heaven is worship. I'm a worshiper. I'll be a worshiper there. Judah, so the, the significance of Judah is Judah was the first tribe to recognize King David. When Jacob blessed his sons, he got, he went off on Judah. Judah's the lion swept. Judah shall unto him, a prophecy about the Messiah, shall the gathering of the people be in Shiloh, a prophecy about the coming Messiah. The, Jesus Christ is in the lineage of Judah. He's called the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's in the lineage of Judah, to David, to him. He's in it. Judah has such prophetic significance. And, and for us as believers, man, there is a tribe we belong to. It's called the tribe of praise. And it, it's, it's called the tribe of people. Yeah, we want to have breakthrough. You, you can't wait for breakthrough to happen to finally give God a praise. You've got to praise God. Now, if the devil can't stop your worship, he can't steal your breakthrough. Worship changes everything. When we worship and praise God, things shift. Worship changes the atmosphere. Worship changes the outcome. Worship heals us. The faster we worship, the faster we heal. Worship takes us places we don't deserve to be. Worship gives us things we don't deserve to have. Worship shuts the mouth of the devil. You are made to worship God. And she finally said, I'm going to find my real calling. It's wonderful to be a father. The greatest joy in life for Mary and I is are being parents and now grandparents. But I have a higher calling than being a parent. And that's being a worshiper. Yeah. I, I'm so blessed. I give all the credit to Jesus and Mary how good my kids turned out. Not that Mary, my Mary. <laughs> but you can't wait till your kids have it all together to worship God. You can't wait till there's fine. You can't wait till there's so much harmony in your life. There's no problems. That's called heaven. In the in the in the Bible, in the Book of Psalms itself, there are seven words that we translate praise. But in the Hebrew, there are seven words for praise. So let me just go through them. They're in your notes. The first one is todah. Todah means a sacrifice of praise. It means praise we give God by choice. In Hebrews chapter 13, the Bible says this. Therefore, by Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now, how many of you have found it to be true? That sometimes you don't feel like worshiping the Lord. We got four honest people. We're so I'm so blessed to be in such a holy congregation. <laughs> Thank you, God. And but I tell people, you know, just start. And by the third song, you're <laughs> I feel so good. First song, you're like, I feel nothing. They're up there jumping on the stage. Come on, everybody. We're like, uh, 
I'm barely here, Pastor Moises. And by the third song, oh God. So we break through. Here's what David said in Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord. At all times, when I feel like it, when I don't, his praise will continually be in my mouth. Come on. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. David said this, I'm a worshiper by choice. And when I worship God, then he took the psalm, I read some of it for the offering. I mean, just incredible. The second word for, word for praise is yada. And yada means strong praise. That's what I talked about. When we start worshiping God, eventually it kicks in. There's meaning, significance, and emotion. When people say, oh, I, 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 you know, Pastor, I'm not emotional. Liar, liar, past, pants on fire. <laughs> Some of you are going to lose your salvation when you go home and watch the Cardinals lose. I mean, game. <laughs> you know, it's, always, it's always, you know, the temperature in your house rises or lowers because the team wins or loses. Take you to a sporting game, you come home hoarse, angry, or happy at church. I don't believe in all this exuberance. They're just overly exuberant there. I don't think that's necessary. You liar. You're exuberant about the things you care about. Cardinals are winning. Tiny people are, I just spoiled it for some people here. Blame her. Third word for praise is Lamar. It means instrumental praise. I love, I, I'm almost every day, I'd say every day I'm home, I play the piano most of the time without words, and I, I just worship God with a song. It just comes to me naturally, prophetically, spontaneously, new stuff. And I always feel like it's a worship to God. Music, a gift of worship to God. The fourth word for praise is halal. And halal means crazy praise. Celebration praise, dancing, shouting, kneeling, bowing, praising with emotion. So that's when you don't, come on. Thank you ladies for makeup and stuff. But... Halal is when you don't care if the mascara runs. <laughs> what happened to you? I just was worshiping God. Halal is when you stop caring what the people behind you think about or in front of you. You just worship God at home. Come on, I, I just love to put worship music on my car. I'm singing away. You know, people looking at me like I'm crazy. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> just worshiping God. Crazy praise. It, it's, it's praise that is no longer intimidated by other people's opinion. David said this. His wife, Michelle, Saul's daughter, looked from her high-perched window and saw David dancing like a wild man, bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And she despised him in her heart. And she said to him, you're acting like a fool. You're acting like a base man, a, a lower class person. And David said, 
Hey, sis, let me tell you something. I will be even more foolish. If this bugs you, wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going to go crazy. Interesting thing. David stopped sleeping with her when she became hostile to his worship. He disowned her. And it said she really had the spirit of her father, Saul. So God, worship for us has so many emotional. I believe that worship is the greatest healing therapy on this planet. I'm for therapy. I'm for counsel. Number four, Barak. Barak is adoration praise. Number five, Barak praise. So Barak really is a, a portrait of worship on our knees with our heart, a prayer, a, a, a type of praise that just becomes so worshipful, so meaningful, so dynamic. Great verses in the Bible about that kind of praise. Number six, word for praise in the book of Psalms, tehila. And it's not tequila, it's tequila. <laughs> and tequila means spontaneous songs of adoration to God. I was asking the Lord one day, Lord, what is a worship service like to you? And what, what we, we got some of the best worship leaders or, and, and worship writers, music writers, just, you know, Melody and BJ have written great songs and just... Uh, you know, so our church itself has had an impact in, the, in global worship. But the Lord said, when you sing someone else's songs, it's like when you go buy a card for your wife. And you find just the right card. The sentiments really convey something you feel. You underline a couple things and hand it to her. But when you worship me with a tequila is when you write your own card. It is the most sincere personally intimate and dynamic expression of worship because I'm not borrowing your words I'm letting my heart soar come on stay with me you got a tequila in you not a tequila stop it tequila tequila okay the Bible says in Psalm 22 3 you are holy God enthroned in the tehillah, the spontaneous praises of adoration to God. There is a special manifestation of God's presence when we come into singing of the Spirit, singing with our own vocabulary. Oh, both of them are great things. Last word used for praise is sabak, and sabak means shouts of praise. And it's not just, hey, we're going to shout, count of three. It's a beautiful, natural, organic spontaneous eruption of authority that comes from experiencing God's presence. Let the high praises of God be in your mouth, a two-edged sword in your hand. That kind of sabak moment. Now, I said all that to say this about worship. You, you can't wait for everything to get in sync to give God your best worship. You can't wait for there to be enough money or to be harmony in the home or everything perfect as we hope it will be and believe, we have to give God our worship now. So when we do that, things change. Worship satisfies your soul. I promise you, Leah was not disappointed when she entered into her, her, her Judah season. When you don't know what else to do, worship God. When people hurt 
or betray you, let you down and worship God. When your heart is heavy or broken, worship God. When you're going through bitter disappointment, worship God. When you're enduring injustice and mistreatment, worship God. When you feel frustrated or emptied out by life, worship God. Something happens like Leah when we worship God when we're going through a tough time. I'm so proud of this church. I had a friend come a couple years ago. He was visiting on a sabbatical, all the churches in town. And uh, a lot of churches in town. And he came and he didn't tell me he was your pastor friend. He sat in the back row. He said, you know, he said, said, you know, all the big churches, they've got great worship teams. He says, but your church was different than any any church I went to. I said, what do you mean? He said, people worshiped as much in the back row as they did in the front row and on the stage. He said, I've never seen it. I, I thought that was normal. You with me? Because our worship team is not our pre-service entertainment. They lead us into worship. Come on. Israel's going to battle. Who goes first? Judah. Send the praises out. Send the praises out. I pray for a worship revival in this church. A praise revival that, that becomes so powerful. I pray, I pray that the team feels like, man, it, it's hard to stop worshiping. Not because the time limit has come or the song list is over, but because the church doesn't want to stop. I pray that tomorrow you put on some praise music and turn off the other junk and you start worshiping God on your way to work, on your way home from work, on your lunch break, sing a song. I was working at ITD Courier, they, they gave me a job in upper management, and I was behind, you know, in there, in my cubicle, and I wrote a little song in my spirit, and, and I hummed it all day long, and whistled it, you know, the <laughs> so finally, at the end of the day, like five minutes to five, I had three people coming, they're hanging over my cubicle, do you know any other songs? <laughs> I didn't realize, it was my... The song was, I wrote it in my spirit. You're not with me. My spirit wrote a song. My mind is doing arithmetic, writing schedules. My, spi- my God can do anything, anything, anything. My God can do anything. He's conquered hell, disease, and the grave. My God can do anything, anything if you believe, anything if you believe. There's nothing too hard for my God. So put your faith in him and the victory win. My God can do anything. It came out of my spirit. And I, listen, I went home. It was like I was at a church service when I was in an intensive, ungodly, secular environment because worship shifted my atmosphere. You're almost with me. You're almost with me. I had, it's been a few years ago, Melanie BJ leading worship, and uh, maybe eight or nine years ago, I'm greeting people in the lobby, new members, new visitors. This young 20, early 20-year-old girl says, I always wonder what you, we're shaking hands, I always wonder what you look like. I said, oh, she must listen by podcast. And she said, I was born blind. And during the worship service, someone laid their hands on my eyes. It, it wasn't a person. No, I did call out God was healing eyes. 
just five seconds. Someone touched my eyes, and now I can see perfectly. So the next Sunday, she brings her blind friend. And her blind friend said to me, I was born blind. And gave me the exact testimony, but someone during the worship service touched me. And I was hoping she knew some more blind people. What are you saying? There are things that God's ready to do in our worship. There are things God's ready to do. Citywide things, countrywide things, generational things, family things. When you worship God here, God is warring for you back at home. When you're praising God for being good here, God is conquering evil in your world. He's delivering family members from oppression and affliction. He's, uh, he's opening closed doors. He's, he's, uh, he's unchaining hearts and souls. There's no end to what God, the last great move of God, there will be preaching with the highest to be the word, but there, and there will be. But the last great move of God, the most defining aspect of it will be radical worship and praise to God. Unstoppable, unceasing, powerful. It won't matter how talented the musicians are. And we have great talent and great anointing. But it will, it's the heart of the people. It's the heart of the people rising up to God. You were made to worship God. This is your Judah season. This is your, stop trying to get the happiness through anyone else but Jesus. Stop trying to make someone love you that won't and can't. Stop trying to earn acceptance and earn approval and earn value. Last now, 25 years ago, 20, a little bit longer, 1995, I became seriously depressed, suicidal depressed. And the reason I finished my, I got a doctorate in psychology is because I was going crazy. That's why most people get into psychology. They won't admit it, but I will. They're fighting stuff. And I realized I built my whole life on creating a perception and image. I, that I wanted to be successful so people would accept me. I was a really good athlete. And people accepted me. I married a beautiful woman, had a beautiful family. People liked that. God breathed upon our church, and we had a move of God. People liked me. Then we had a massive trauma. A massive negative thing happened, and people didn't like me anymore. When you live off of the oxygen of success, you'll die when they take it away from you. If you live off of people's acceptance, you'll die by their rejection. And I realized I was, it went back to my childhood, trying to earn my father's approval. My father was a stern and difficult man. Then he got born again. I was 11 or 12. I got to see my father change. But I realized in my story, I was still trying to make my father proud of me. And listen, you can't live your whole life with a big void in you, trying to make someone approve of you. I went back to kindergarten, and Jesus said, I approve of you. I like you. You're my workmanship. And he loved rejection out of my soul. 
He loved it out. And when you are free from rejection, you're not afraid of failure. I did some, I was ministering in Seattle on Tuesday. I always do crazy things prophetically. It's just normal to me. Say things, do things, things happen. And people say, how could you take that risk? I said, what risk? Well, what if it doesn't come to pass? I said, I don't even think about that. So the only damage it would do is people unhappy with me. I want to please God. I don't care about people's opinions when God's told me to do something. So it puts me in this taking high risk as far as the gifts of the Spirit, ministry, and prophetic things. I'm not afraid. I stood in the church last November and said, the drought in California is over. I command it to enter this moment. I call in abundance of rain. Well, it rained for like three straight months. They, they text me, pray it stops raining. We, we, we appreciate the... It was, it's on tape. It was public. What, what, what if it didn't happen? I, I'm not afraid of that. If it doesn't happen, I apologize. But I am no longer governed by the fear of man. And when you're not afraid of people, you're the most dangerous to the devil you'll ever be. Come on. When you don't care anymore, when your reputation is no longer the most sacred part of your story, well, I want people to think, a couple of simple points, I'm all done. People don't think about you as much as you think they do. Number two, people don't think as well of you as you hoped they would. Okay? Who cares? Paul is worshipped as a god at Lystra for healing a lame man. The same afternoon, he's killed as a heretic by Jewish zealots. (laughs) Paul is snake-bitten on Malta after being shipwrecked and barely surviving. And the whole village saw And they said, this must be the most wicked man that, the most wicked man that ever lived. The sea couldn't kill him. Now now the land's going to kill him. Justice is going to kill him. He shook off. You shake off the poison of rejection. You got to shake off the poison of accusation. You got to shake off the poison of people's opinions. And when they saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds. Now, it's fun when people change their mind. I'm I'm in a brief season of popularity. You with me? Big, big whoopee. You know where I want to be popular? Heaven. 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 And God. You're going to praise your way out of this thing. You're going to stop letting people define you, restrict you, oppress you, and people control you. Sometimes people withhold love to control us. Jacob was almost a monster the way he treated this woman. God stepped in. She gave birth to Judah. She is Jesus' great, 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 great grandma. Her life has consequence. Yeah, she missed out on some things, but man, God made up for it in other things. The best is yet to come. Thank you for listening to me today. Would you stand your feet, please? Prayer team, if you join me down front. You okay? Thank you. This baby slept through the whole message. I feel good and bad about that.
Hey, as we close this service, the most important thing in life is finding a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and receiving the free gift of salvation. The Bible says in the book of Romans, Romans, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You don't have to earn salvation, you just receive it. You can't achieve it, you have to receive it. If you've never made Jesus your Savior and have, if you don't know what that means, if you don't know if you're saved, man, we want to talk to you, pray with you, and stand with you as you come to Christ today. If you've been away from God, welcome back home, man. God's got his arms spread wide and he's excited that you're coming back into a harmony of relationship with him. If you say, Pastor, I'm going through just a, a monstrously hard season, we'd be so honored to pray for you. And just stand and pray a prayer of faith. All these wonderful altar workers are prophetic. They're awesome. They are filled with faith and they'll pray great prayers. If you need prayer for those or any other reason, maybe it's a physical need. We'd be honored to pray for you. Would you join us down front? Just for 90 seconds longer, church, while people come forward, would you give God some praise? Let's, let's sing with uh, this, the, our song. So I throw my hands, praise you again and again. All that I have is a hallelujah. Come on, do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know it's not much. And I know it's not much. I've nothing else fit for a king. Except for a heart singing. I throw up my hands and, and I, I throw up my, my hands. hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much, but I've nothing else fit for a king except for. We're so humbled and honored to serve here. Stay here as long as you want. We're going to keep worshiping God and praying for folks. If you're heading on your way out, make sure to smile at someone and tell them Jesus loves them like crazy. You're an awesome church. Have an awesome week. God bless you all.